Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 212, and today we have a topic I have never done before. Today we're talking all about copyright and creativity. That's it. Those two C's that everybody knows about, wants to learn about, but let's be honest, do we really know anything about them? I have a fantastic guest today to talk all about how he's helping teachers learn about copyright and creativity, and he'll be with us in just a few short minutes. I want to remind you guys that we've got some great shows over on the TeacherCast Educational Network, and all of our shows now are on Apple Podcasts on their own individual feeds. If you've been looking at your podcast player wondering, where is that TeacherCast guy? Check out everything over on your different feeds. You can, of course, go to TeacherCast.com dot net slash subscribe and make sure that you have all the updated feeds don't forget to do that stuff we made that change back at the beginning of the calendar year and some people are still making sure that they are, are subscribed to us so check that out over on teachercast.net slash subscribe we would love to have you guys be a part of the TeacherCast educational family i also want to say thank you to the more than 75 teachers who have signed up for the TeacherCast email marketing challenge we have a lot of teachers that are now helping build their edu brands and if you guys are looking to become a better blogger better podcaster better content creator and you'd like to improve your email marketing skills and grow your subscribers check out everything over at buildyouredubrand.com and learn how you guys can build an email list for yourself to improve your subscribers for whatever platform you have. We'd love to work with you guys. Check it out over on buildyouredubrand.com. And you know what? If you are a content subscriber, I'm sure that you have been thinking a little bit about where your content is coming from. Is anybody using your content, taking your content, borrowing your content? Where does your content go after you put it on the net? These are questions that I certainly think about. And also, as I am teaching my middle school kids all about digital, uh, digital publishing and rights usages and all these different things, I have a lot of questions about copyright, fair use, creativity, and my guest today is an expert in all of those things. I want to bring on David from a great website called copyrightandcreativity.org. David, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm fine, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. You know what? I am so excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about the work you guys are doing at copyrightandcreativity.org. Sure. So uh, I am a lawyer. I worked for a number of years in Washington, D.C., uh, focusing on some issues relating to communications law, but also primarily copyright. Uh, I was the general counsel for a leading online civil liberties group called the Center for Democracy and Technology, or CDT, and I headed up the group's project on digital copyright. Uh, in that time, I was really focused on the, some fights that are going on in Washington, D.C. about what copyright law should look like. Should it get stronger? Is it already too strong? How does it adapt to all these digital technologies? Uh, but now I'm really focused on it from an education angle. 
where I'm trying to approach some of those same issues from the perspective of how can we get kids a little more educated about the copyright framework in the United States uh, so that that can inform how they conduct their lives online. Well, let's talk a little bit about this here. Set the stage for me, right? Give me your opening argument. What is copyright? Give me the, the blanket you know, legal definition. Give me the fifth grade teacher definition. When we talk about copyright, what are we really dealing with here? Well, copyright is just the set of legal rules that aim to give creators some control over their creations, some control over, where, over how their creations are distributed or copied or performed. Uh, so, you know, it's just that set of legal rules, which at, at one time, not really all that long ago, you could really think of as an esoteric subject that would matter to, um, uh, to publishing houses, to record labels, to movie studios. But, you know, if you weren't directly involved in those industries or weren't a, a suit in one of those businesses, it probably didn't matter much to you. Uh, that has changed because of technology. Because today, just about everyone has the equivalent of a printing press inside their pocket, right? It's their smartphone. Uh, and they, and they, they have great digital tools that enable them to make movies and make music and make all kinds of images uh, and to distribute it all on a worldwide distribution network we call the internet. So that's really changed the question of whether copyright is relevant to everyday people. It used to not be. Today it is. Now, copyright is only something we should be worrying about if we're publishing work. Is that true or is that not true? Uh, no, it's, it's relevant both to you as you access creative work because we're all consumers of creative work. We all access creative work of all different kinds, written work, video, audio. Um, and I guess my point is we're both – today we're all really both consumers and creators – uh, and copyright is relevant to all of that. So let's talk a little bit about copyright from a number of things. Is all copyright equal? Meaning image copyright is is similar to audio, video copyright is similar to written. Are these, is there a blanket statement that says what the rule is? Or do each one of these little mediums have its own personal little things in here that we need to worry about? You know, the overall framework is just a single framework that applies to all of it. So it applies to all kinds of content. In fact, anything that you create, you could do a do you could draw a doodle on a napkin right now, and that would be protected by copyright. Really, uh, anything that involves some creativity and that you either uh, write down or record or digitally save in some way, as soon as you've created it and got it written or saved, it's protected by copyright, and it it can be just about anything creative. And so we're really just talking today about making sure that you're giving credit for the work? No, actually, copyright is different from credit. It's interesting, in schools, uh, there's obviously a major focus on plagiarism, and the internet makes it pretty easy to plagiarize, so, so teachers have to worry about whether students have possibly cut and pasted content from somewhere on the internet and then passed it off as their own work. If they have done that and they haven't given credit, that's plagiarism. But copyright is actually different. Copyright isn't so much about giving credit as it is about getting permission. So copyright says that when you copy a bunch of somebody else's work, uh, it, it, it's not enough just to give credit. You actually, in many cases, have to give permission. 
uh, excuse me, have to get permission. Now I'll say there are exceptions to that. There's a really important thing called fair use that lets people use a little bit of somebody else's content in certain circumstances without having to get permission. But copyright is fundamentally about letting the, the, the creator decide where and how their work is going to be distributed and deciding who's going to have permission to do that. So it's about getting permission to to use somebody else's creativity, which is why which is one of the reasons why teachers shouldn't be listening to the movie Elf before the holidays, right? Cuz that's they don't have permission to show it in a group at an in an assembly, right? That's that's one of the big reasons why we shouldn't be watching full-length movies and stuff like that in our classrooms or at assemblies or, you know, even in the evenings. Well, uh, uh, um, uh, in, in, in copyright, it focuses on, on public performance. So, you know, if you're talking about watching, obviously you can watch things in the evenings uh, yourself if you've, if you've obtained access to that movie. But, but doing it publicly starts to raise copyright questions. I will say that a school environment can be different from other kinds of environments because it, it, um, under fair use, certain purposes or sometimes uh, uh, uses for certain purposes sometimes get some allowances um, and education and scholarship and research are and, and also journalism are examples of areas where fair use often applies. But for fair use, you're not usually supposed to show the whole thing. You're supposed to use only as much as you really need to make your point. Um, and you're supposed to do it in ways that aren't going to undermine the creator's ability to make a profit. So if I was a middle school teacher, hypothetically, of course, speaking, how do I start to, to bring these subjects up to my students? I mean, I right now teach a broadcasting class. I do a lot of video. I do a lot of digital rights. I do a lot of images. Should I yeah. be teaching my students about copyright? And, and how do I do that? So that way they're feeling, you know, creative themselves, but not, you know, how do I do this? Let's just start so there. So that's exactly where our organization comes in. Um, you know, our, our sense is that kids are doing all these kinds of, of creative projects. Uh, they're doing it often without much understanding of the basic rules of the road of copyright. Um, and uh, or, or they're doing it with some real misconceptions about copyright, either either thinking that Copyright means they're really not allowed to do anything. They can never borrow any content from anyone else's creation. Um, or the reverse, thinking that anything goes because the internet makes it all really easy. So we can just take and copy and cut and paste anything we find and paste it into our own creation and that's fine. Um, meanwhile, the, 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 the truth of course is somewhere in between, but there's a set of legal rules around it. So that makes it hard for students uh, and for teachers to guide those students. So what we wanted to do was create some resources that teachers could use that would make it easy, even if the teachers themselves, as, as we often find, don't feel like they have a very firm handle on the legal ins and outs of this topic. So what we did was we created a series of lesson plans uh, complete with videos and slides that are, it, it really, it, it makes it a pretty easy plug and play experience. And when we get into difficult topics like fair use and when exactly it applies, 
there are videos that will cover some of that for the class, walk the class through it, and then the teacher in class can, can continue a discussion in the classroom. But the idea was to, to try to spare the teachers the trouble of having to feel like they're full legal experts. I will add, though, that we also approach that same challenge by, in addition to having our K-12 lessons online, we also have a professional development course online aimed at teachers, aimed at giving them the background they need to feel confident teaching it to students. Um, throughout these resources, and it's, it's all on our website, copyrightandcreativity.org, and it's all free. Uh, and we have elementary school, middle school, and high school levels. Uh, throughout it, one of the things we really focus on is we believe that if you try to teach kids copyright by, by basically telling them that copyright's a set of negative rules that mean stop copying, don't be a pirate, no, 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 uh, essentially, copyright is a bunch of thou shalt nots. <laughs> that kind of negative message, we believe, is going to be very hard to get kids to embrace and to get them to feel that copyright is anything but just a pain, just a restriction, stopping them from doing stuff they want to do. What we try to do instead is get them to think about creativity. This is the creativity in our name. And think about how they themselves are consumers, yes, but as I mentioned before, also creators. And what kind of control would they want over the creations that they make? Um, and it, it's interesting. One thing that we found uh, when we taught this to some middle schoolers uh, and, and had a, a, a survey before and after is that most kids went into the process thinking that copyright was something that didn't apply to them. Copyright was something for big commercial creators and had no relevance to them. Uh, and the main and and one of the things they really learned and absorbed was actually all those things they create all the time they're creating they are protected by copyright as well as just restricted by it. Well, how does that work? We're a broadcasting class. If I make a video, right? I, I go around the school. I take a video. I publish it. I put it up online. Something like that. Am I automatically protected by copyright? Do I need yes, to? Yes, you are. Do I need yes, to write something it's on the video? Like as, as soon as you've recorded it. So the example I like to use is if you start singing some song while you're in the shower and, you know, maybe it's a brilliant song. You've come up with something great. It's not actually protected by copyright just by, the, by, by virtue of you having thought it and sung it. But once you write it down or record it in some way, it is automatically protected by copyright. That's true of your video as well. Uh, I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with the copyright symbol that often shows up in the beginning of books, for example. Um, there is a way to register copyrighted works with the Copyright Office, but the truth is that protection applies even if you don't do that. So the idea of you taking some content putting it in a sealed envelope and mailing it to yourself, we don't need to be worrying about that necessarily? No, there's no need to, to mail it or do any kind of formal process like that. Uh, it's just merely the, the act of creating it and then recording it or writing it in some way is what gives you the copyright protection. So you said that copyright is all about getting permission. If we wanted to use somebody's something, audio, video, written, whatever, how do we go about and seeking permission from the copyright author? What if we don't know who owns this, this information or the, the original material? Yeah, excellent question. So 
Um, the answer has a couple parts. Number one, it depends a little how you're using it. When you use small sections of someone else's work or you use them for school projects that are going to stay in school, there's a really good argument. That's usually going to be what's called a fair use and you won't need to get permission. And the most obvious example of that is think about the book reports that kids might write in school. To do a book report, you're probably going to, to quote some portions of the book. The portion that's quoted is, of course, that's, that's text that they've copied from the book. So if you, were, if you were to say that copyright always requires permission, then technically someone wouldn't even be able to use a quote in a book report, which of course would be ridiculous. So fair use allows that. And fair use allows a lot of classroom use. But today, I think we know that, that when kids make projects and presentations for the classroom, they may also want to put it up on social media. They may want to distribute it a lot more broadly than just for their teacher uh, or their fellow students in class. Uh, and so that means that if they want to do that, they need to stop and think about what kind of permission they might need because they might no longer be within the province of fair use. So we have some videos that describe the options that kids have for getting permission. Certainly, you know, writing to the author and trying to get permission or writing to the creator would be one possibility theoretically. But as you point out, you often don't know who, who the author or creator is. That's, that's kind of hard to do. So other, other approaches you can take are to look for works where you don't need to get permission. And an example of that is Creative Commons. There are a lot of creators out there, it turns out, who are happy for their work to be reused, particularly for non-commercial purposes or sometimes even for commercial purposes. And so they'll put their work out there under something called a Creative Commons license, which, which is basically an advanced grant of permission and says, I hereby announce that this content is free for people to reuse. I'm giving my permission to everyone in advance. Um, Another option would be to look for content in what's called the public domain. There's a big public domain, which is the body of work whose copyright has expired, because copyright lasts a long time, but it does eventually expire. And once it expires, then the work is free to be reused and repurposed and recopied uh, by anyone for whatever purpose they want. Uh, so anyway, the, the, the big picture answer here is, it can be hard to get permission, and of course, you don't have any guarantee that permission will be granted. So if students are working on projects that they're going to want to use or distribute beyond the confines of the classroom, it's really good to think about that in advance and to try to make sure that whatever images or music or video clips they're, trying, they're using in their presentation come from sources like Creative Commons or Public Domain where they're free to use it however they like. You know, I, I'm curious, and th this is the music teacher asking the question now, is it possible for a piece of media to have multiple um, copyright or creativity issues? I'll give you an example. It is, especially in music. A, a piece from Mozart, long time ago, is public domain, but the Berlin Philharmonic just recorded it last year. Yeah, I can't so use music, that recording, right? But I can. Like, how does all that work? Yeah, music. Music is kind of a special case. 
So I said at the outset that the same copyright framework applies across the board to all, all different kinds of creative content. And that's true, but at the same time, um, there are wrinkles in how it applies simply because these mediums are different. And music has the interesting thing that a, a song uh, will typically have uh, two copyrights. There will be a copyright in the musical composition so, you know, the arrangements of notes and the lyrics. Uh, and then there can be a separate copyright in specific recordings of that musical work. So, as you say, uh, any, you know, the, the, the old works by Mozart are all going to be in the public domain, but a specific recording of Mozart's work might not. And I would assume that's the same thing for arrangements. If you want to take, and this is a bad example, but you want to take a Beatles song and completely rearrange it, you still, yeah, that, you still well, need, that, like, that composition. I mean, the, the the Beatles song is still likely within copyright. It's not um, the the it, to be in the public domain. A work typically a, has to be. It's hundred um, years. Yeah, it, it's 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 ninety five years. So you know the Beatles are still covered. Um, so so you would need to get some kind of permission on, on that copyright to take that work and make a new arrangement of it. There is something in copyright called a derivative work, which means you've sort of taken one work and made a derivative of it. An example would be if you take a book and want to make it into a movie. So, for example, uh, you know, if J.K. Rowling writes Harry Potter books and has the copyright in that, uh, you would have to get her permission in order to make a Harry Potter movie. Uh, and, I, and an arrangement from a, a copyrighted work would be a similar thing. Now, thinking of as an elementary school teacher, does that mean I can't do a simple fifth grade assignment where my kids have to write, what would Harry Potter do if he had homework? And they're using the Harry Potter characters. Do I need to really be worrying about this if I'm doing a little homework assignment? You wouldn't know, not, not for that kind of an assignment. That's not really, a, uh, that's, that's um, you know, it, it's, 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 it, it, it's riffing off the work that they've read, but talking a little bit about what, you know, in class, especially about what, what characters would do in a different situation. That's not really copying the work directly. It's not really making a new version of the work. That would be fine. And I, I want to say that also highlights something I, that I think is really important to flag about all this and that is really central to the lessons that we have at Copyright and Creativity. Um, as I say, we didn't want to talk about copyright as just a bunch of restrictions because it's more than just restrictions. There are important limitations to copyright, and an author's control is never absolute over their work. Uh, and fair use, I've mentioned, is one example. Another big example of a way that copyright is limited is that copyright does not actually cover the facts and ideas contained in a work. So... If you read a book or see a film uh, and you get certain ideas from that book or film or certain facts out of it, you're free to reuse that and talk about that and discuss that in class or, or write a blog about it. However you want is fine. What you can't do is take the actual, the, the actual expression of that work, the actual words or the actual footage and copy it into your own work unless you're in a fair use situation. So it's really important to distinguish between the work, the creative work itself, which is protected by copyright, and the ideas and facts that might be in those works, 
which are free for people to reuse as they like. The website is copyrightandcreativity.org. You can, of course, check them out on Twitter over at Copyright Create. David, before I let you go, you had mentioned that you worked in Washington and you are working to change laws. And, and, and Tell us a little bit, of, what is that like being in D.C., fighting for these things, making sure that things are clear, making sure that the right people have the right copyright privileges? Talk to us a little bit about what it's like in the real world. Well, it's it's it. It's a fascinating process and uh, a fascinating and exciting thing to be involved in. Um, there are, uh, you know, the, the particular area I was working in was copyright, but of course there are people in Washington, D.C. doing advocacy on all kinds of topics and trying to put forward the best arguments they can to policymakers about what the law should look like, what kind of policies the government should adopt. Um, and obviously, Washington gets uh, a lot of bad press right now, and people think it's a swamp. But I will say, you know, and, and of course, there are, are elements of all that that is true. The process is, in a lot of ways, uh, not ideal. But there are also a lot of good, honest debates going on about how best to shape the laws that govern our country, both in copyright and in other areas. Uh, and it's really, it, it actually is really fun to be a part of. Well, we would certainly love to hear more. And if you guys out there have any questions about copyright, fair use, creativity, check out everything over at copyrightandcreativity.org. I got to tell you, I've been looking through the website to get ready for the show. And also, as we've been talking tonight, a ton of great resources, very easily laid out. They've got pages for elementary, middle school, high school. And they've even got a page for professional development. Guys, I know this is something I'm going to be bringing into my classrooms as we start our broadcasting curriculum to help our, our students learn how to do things, how not to pull things. And, and really, we want to make sure that we're teaching great digital citizens. Is there anything, David, that we need to be thinking about as we you know leave this episode and go back into our classrooms? What should be on the forefront of our minds as we decide that you know, let's start to think about this. Let's, let's bring this back into our schools. How do we sell this idea to our schools that this is even important to start to take that first step with? You know, I think it, it schools should be thinking about digital citizenship in lots of different ways. And I think they ought to be aware that so much of kids' lives these days happens online. And there are a number of things they need to learn in order to navigate that online world successfully. And so I'm sure they're already thinking about issues like privacy and cybersecurity. But I think the pitch that educators need to make is that copyright is one of those things as well, because it, it, it may not be readily apparent to people uh, who haven't stopped to think about it. But when you do stop and think about it, you realize that they're, they're creating stuff all the time. They're accessing all kinds of things online. Everything is digital. Uh, it's all easily mashed up and cut and pasted and all of that. And so there are some rules of the road that they need to know. But today, it's, 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 it's really just a basic component of digital citizenship. And, uh, and kids aren't going to know it if they aren't taught it. They're not going to know it if they aren't taught it. I will, I will actually leave with that one because I don't know if I could top that one at all. The website, again, is copyrightandcreativity.org. David, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing all this stuff. And thank you for teaching us about one of the most important subjects that we can be sharing with our students as we go through the school year. David, thank you for, for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun.
And again, if you guys have any questions, please feel out, feel free to reach out to us over here on TeacherCast.net. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. And don't forget, we've got some great things happening over at TeacherCast.net slash subscribe. Check out all of our podcasts for what... The, the perfect show for you. We've, of course, got podcasts on instructional tech coaching, how to make a podcast, digital creativity. And if you're looking to build your platform as an author, blogger, podcaster, you name it, check out everything over at buildyouredubrand.com. And that wraps up episode number 212 of the TeacherCast podcast. On behalf of David and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at TeacherCast or online at www.teacherCast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store. 